Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode has been brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th of 2022 in Verona, Italy. This year will be an exclusively in-person edition. The main theme of the event will be all-round wine communication. Tickets are on sale now, so for more information, please visit us at winetowine.net. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Cynthia Chaplin, and this is Voices. Every Wednesday, I will be sharing conversations with international wine industry professionals, discussing issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion through their personal experiences working in the field of wine. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your pods. Hello, and welcome to Voices. Today, I am so happy to welcome Pardon Taguzu to the show. He's one of the four sommeliers from Zimbabwe who were featured in the recent film, Blind Ambition, and it documented their journeys from a pretty terrible personal refugee ship all the way through to representing their country at the World Blind Tasting Championship. And Pardon was the co-founder of African Wines in the Netherlands and Solo Vino with the Dialba family, and now he focuses his time and attention on his own company, Taguzu Fine Wine Imports and Exports. And he's also moved into the world of winemaking with his own label, De Zimbabwe Brands. So thank you so much for coming to the show today. I'm really excited to talk to you about everything you've been up to. Uh, welcome to Voices. Thank you very much for having me, Cynthia. No, it's a huge pleasure. So this is such an amazing story. A lot of our listeners will be you know, either in the midst of watching Blind Ambition or getting ready to watch it soon. I, I want to sort of get the backstory out there so that people know what to expect, because it's it's a really cool and very inspiring story. So I know you were born in a, in a very rural spot in the Honde Valley in Zimbabwe's highlands. And from there, you went on to get a degree in economics in Harare and an MBA. I'm just wondering, how on earth did you go from being a business student and a marathon runner uh, and being interested in sports psychology and finding yourself all the way over here at the high end of the wine world. What happened? Yeah, it's um, it has been a, a long journey. I think yeah, I think also what uh, what what was uh, the main factor is you know you you really do not choose your destiny. You know, coming from uh, from a from a business perspective from the University of Zimbabwe and uh, going into sports psychology, uh, I never thought that I would end up doing wine because you know I come from a Christian family, which you know. The the norm is you you basically get your your grades you find a white collar job and uh, you know you you know you you start your own family you just and a straight student you know and in my family as well uh, alcohol smoking is also prohibited as well I'm trying to listen to to my uh, only single parent because my my father passed away when I was uh, very small. And I was, you know, raised by a single parent, so um, that was the norm. But you know, during uh, during the two thousand six, uh, two thousand six, seven, eight, you know, things were not really going well for uh, for Zimbabwe, uh, and I, I witnessed this firsthand as well because at that time I did a small a small internship with the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, and uh, this is when the economy was really crumbling. 
and we had hyperinflation. And at that time as well, you know, the economy was basically living with $1 per day, which was uh, so ridiculous. Uh, and yeah, I moved uh, to... I moved to South Africa, you know, just uh, looking for greener pastures. Of course, my sister was already set up in South Africa and she invited me to go uh, to South Africa. She's just set me up with, um, uh, with a job as a runner because when I moved to South Africa at that time, you know, it was in April and uh, there was um, an event which, you know, attracts quite a lot of uh, winemakers from, from all over the world and also wine enthusiasts as well and journalists. It was called the Olive Festival. Uh, and, you know, I just helped as a runner at the Royal Hotel in Rubica Still, which is uh, an hour away from, from Cape Town. You know, I started asking questions from, uh, from these guys like, okay, guys, how, how do you get to know this, uh, this stuff? You know, are you, when you're talking about wine that you, you know, you smell all these aromas, does it mean that, you know, when the winemaker is making the wine, he's putting in uh, some of these flavors or what is going on? You know, uh, I, was, I was that curious to, uh, to actually understand the, the subject. Uh, I ended up actually, you know, using the internet to finding more information. How can I, how can I actually take it upon myself to make it a, a profession? Because it, it also had, it encompasses everything that I, that I like, which is traveling, food. Yeah, and uh, I ended up found, founding uh, uh, the Cape One Academy, which, you know, which is the, 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 the body that uh, actually in South Africa gives one education. And I started uh, enrolling with them, you know, their introductory course, which, you know, which I aced with the uh, flying colors and I was more curious and I went for my certificates. And uh, when I was doing my certificate at that time, uh, we had also a tutor who is uh, the facilitator for WSET in South Africa. Her name is uh, Kathy Marston. So when I met with her after the, after the lectures, she she actually introduced me to WSET and uh, she explained to me that, you know, if you want to excel in this field, if you want to, you know, work into di in different countries, uh, WSET is well recognized in, you know, in, uh, in many countries. So it's better if you, if you actually consider to, to do that as well, uh, side by side with uh, Cape One Academy. So I did, uh, I did the Cape One Academy. Um, I finished my certificate, and then I started enrolling for WCT two at this uh, at the same time. And at that time, I was also moving to my my diploma as well for Cape Wine uh, Academy. So I was doing quite a lot of studying, and but it was a no brainer for me, you know, because my background is basically is, is basically you know it's yeah, I'm a bookworm, uh, you know, when it comes to studying. So. Then I did that. I did my WSET until to the diploma level and also the, the Cap One Academy as well. And, you know, because where I was actually uh, living in uh, Ribica still with my sister, it was, uh, uh, it's a very small valley, but, you know, it houses uh, some of the great winemakers from, from South Africa. And you, you basically have greatness uh, thrust upon you. Uh, because these these guys, you know, they they make some fantastic wines. They they are really well known well known winemakers. You know, the likes of Ibn Sadi, Adi Badenost. Uh, you know, the, these guys are, are very iconic, well traveled. They made wines in different uh, different regions. You know, Spain, uh, France as well. And you know, they brought the culture to uh, to Rubica still. So 
you know, I, I did uh, a little bit of uh, work as well in the vineyards with these uh, with these guys. You know, just trying to also understand exactly what is the process of uh, uh, wine making. What is you know what really is the energy that gets into the process. Yeah, and um, I got promoted to become a waiter at, um, at Royal Hotel and. At that time as well, in the valley, uh, Joseph was also working at a different uh, different restaurant. And, you know, we uh, we did a couple of tastings together. You know, I could just save my gratuity money, which I could get from, uh, from guests and uh, go to pick and pay, buy different kinds of wine and, you know, sit down and try to taste and, and try to identify what what is wine this is an amazing story and you you just referred to joseph who i happen to know is um joseph defana who's another one of your colleagues um who was in blind ambition with you um the documentary so i want to take a look at this for a minute just because i think you're kind of letting this go by as this very gentle story when i know it was really a lot harder than that it's i've heard you say too that when you first met Joseph and you were first getting into wine at the Royal Hotel, your first glass of wine was a Chenin Blanc after work one day, and you thought it was horrendous. You thought it tasted sour and terrible and bitter uh, because your palate wasn't used to it. So there was a lot more to overcome than just studying up here. You had to sort of change your whole outlook. So I think this friendship with Joseph that developed is really interesting to talk about. Yeah, so Joseph was already set up in um, uh, in the Valley because he came before me and uh, he was also studying wine as well uh, before me. Uh, Joseph was also friends with my with my brother-in-law. So the Valley is quite small, so it, it's more, it, everyone who stays in the Valley, it's, it's more like family. Yeah, my first glass, you know, I, I still remember it vividly. It uh, it was uh, a Chenin Blanc from, uh, uh, it was Babylon Speak Chenin, uh, Chenin Blanc. Um, yeah, he gave me one glass and I drank, uh, I drank, you know, my first taste was like, okay, this is quite awful, you know. Uh, it was very sour, it was too acidic uh, for me at that time because I didn't understand, I didn't understand the wine and I didn't understand how to appreciate, uh, you know, the beverage. But, you know, nevertheless, you know, I, I wanted to finish the glass and then I went to, to a second glass. And then, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we smashed the bottle and um, I could not go to work for, for the next coming two days, you know, because I was I was sick. My body was not was not used to the beverage. Also later on as well, because he was also the first one to move from the valley. And then I also followed as well to, to, to the city and, uh, you know, we had we had this, you know, uh, group of Zimbabweans. We always meet at tastings and we always taste together. You know, we always share ideas, you know, on food and wine pairings, what we are starting uh, at that moment and stuff like that. So, it, it, yeah, it really helped uh, to uh, to have someone who... Uh, who actually knew the path before I actually walked it. It's it's really nice to hear that there's as much of a, you know, sort of a family and a support system in the wine world, you know, in, in South Africa, as, as we tend to find in other places. I think the people who are most successful always feel like they have a support group, you know, either their family, their friends, their people they work with and study with. So, but it, it's interesting because this this idea that you had never really had wine before um, and didn't really like it at the beginning, it, you know, we we both agree that a lot of wine is about personal experience. And there's a lot of traditional wine language that doesn't really suit a huge segment of new young wine consumers. And people are always referring to, you know, an aroma wheel, which was 
you know, invented by, you know, a, a white Western woman, um, you know, it doesn't really correspond with an African culture. So how did you kind of, how did you decode wine when you hadn't really been exposed to things like gooseberries and all of that stuff and, and didn't know wine before? So you were studying up. Yeah, it, wine is, you know, is, is about culture in, you know, it's, it's about community. It's, it's about, you know, personal experience and it should be a beverage that sits comfortable with any culture referring to the aroma wheel and uh, i think it's a good it's a good starting point but uh it doesn't really correspond especially with uh, with all the cultures and not to not to take anything away from it but i think it's uh it's quite shallow it, 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 you know it does not really you know suit every every other culture and uh, from from where I was coming from, you know, I was already, you know, uh, reading about wine, have the aroma will. Uh, I tested Chenin Blanc. They, you know, they, they talk about aromas that, you know, fruits that I've never uh, encountered in my life. I tested Sauvignon Blanc, you know, they, they, they talk about, they talk about gooseberries, you know. And, you know, for, for me, it was really hard to... Uh, to really nail the wine, you know, in a blind tasting until I, you know, started to actually read about these fruits and actually relating to uh, the environment I grew up and also the wild fruits from Zimbabwe that I grew up eating. That's how I decoded it. You know, I started to actually put my markers and pointers in, uh, in, in different wines, you know, according to what I know, according to the fruits that I know according to the surroundings, you know, that I've been exposed to. You know, you have a sense of smell that, you, that you're born with, uh, that, you know, literally from, from, from onset when you start smelling and identifying things when you're young, that actually stays in your, uh, it stays in your, in your vocabulary and it's, it stays in your mind as well, such that you can relate to any other flavor or any other taste that you might get later in life. So... For me, that, that's what I, you know, started using as markers, you know, especially when we were doing blind tastings. I could pick up, uh, you know, um, um, a very unique plant, which is, uh, we, we call it Tsine, uh, or it's called, in English, it's uh, it's called Blackjack. You know, I, I always pick it up in uh, in Sauvignon Blanc. I always pick it up as well in, in Cabernet Franc as well. It really made sense uh, using my own vocabulary, uh, but also giving reference as well to, to the aroma well which I think still it, it, it really needs to uh, to be broadened up to actually get everyone who's in different uh, corners of life have uh, had different upbringing uh, on the same uh, same page. Yeah, I think you're so right. I mean, I'm I'm a wine educator too, and and a judge in various countries. And I think you know people, especially people who are new to the wine world, success only comes when you can really create that personal workable vocabulary system that connects you. And I, I think you're absolutely right. The wine industry as a whole, if we want to, you know, put our money where our mouth is and really be inclusive, we need to expand the concept of the aroma wheel, which it's, it's a very useful tool, but I think it's time to expand that concept. And so many wine pairings now are, you know, with a French wine, with, you know, for, you know potentially an Asian food, you know, crossing cultures, bringing different wines and different foods together. And that's not possible if we don't have a more global language to talk about wine. So I'm really glad that you you brought that up and you got to your first competition in 2015 uh, with Team South Africa. So tell me a little bit, how did this happen? 
what 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 got you guys up to competition stage and and what created team south africa italian wine podcast part of the mama jumbo shrimp family You know, like like I said, we we always met at different trade tastings, and you know, uh, you know, by nature, Zimbabweans we we're competitors. We were quite curious. Uh, for me, um, I, you know, I started going out to uh, to competitions. I did the best young sommelier for uh, South Africa, which which was in two thousand seventeen, where I came the first run up. I was also doing, you know, the South African Blind Wine Tasting Championship, which uh, Jean Vincent Redon uh, organizes. So this uh, this competition is actually done at a regional level and at a national level. Amongst ourselves as well, we have also Tinashe and Malvin as well that that competed before as well at at a young challenge uh, show for Inter Hotels as well. Uh, so we, we had the competing part in our team, you know. And uh, yeah, for me, I, I did I did that, and then I was I also did the the. the the South African Blind Wine Testing uh, Championship as well, which for the first time, I, th- I think, you know, my vocabulary of wine and identifying wine was not really uh, that great. In 2015, I think I was in top, uh, I was in top 20 on, 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 a, on a national level. And, you know, uh, what also helped me when I moved from Ruby Castillo to, to Cape Town, I had more access to, to more people and I had more access to trade shows where I could test different wines. And you know, I could travel to the wine uh, to the wine lens as well uh, with more with more ease. Uh, the wine lens were like close and more accessible to me. Uh, so I, I developed my my vocabulary. I developed my palate. And uh, yeah, two thousand and uh, two thousand and seventeen, we all entered in the South African Blind Wine Testing Championship, and I was actually the third uh, best tester in South Africa at a national level at that time uh, we also had in top 15 we had uh, we had Malvin Tinashe and Joseph so this was actually enough people to create a one solid team uh, but we didn't know how to how to do it of course we were advised by uh, by JV that uh, uh, you know it's useless for me to take one uh, one participant from your from your team and then I I, I, I take them with me. So best best you can do is to create your own team in Zimbabwe. I mean, all of you were you know, top top tasters, top sommeliers. That's a super strong team. It was a good idea to put the four of you together. Yeah, yeah, definitely it was. And you know, and at the competition, we were the only team that you know the only team that uh, was actually equipped with sommeliers uh, that are actually working on the floor. Everyone else, everyone else was in the trade, uh, off trade. Uh, doing it for fun, um, but you know uh, these are these were well seasoned uh, testers as well. These are uh, the best pilots in the world. So you know we, we we knew we knew what we were doing, and you know we we got there by on merit. You know so. Well, you your your team was also the only team um, composed completely of of black contestants, um, and that's you know this wasn't a hundred years ago. This was just a few years ago. This was twenty seventeen. So. It's you know it's really disheartening to know that that, that was still going on in, in 2017. But I'm just wondering, you know, on top of the pressure of the competition, to be the only team in you know in the room that is all black men, how did that affect the team in terms of pressure? And I know you were a marathon runner. Clearly, you're a marathon wine guy as well. Competition seems like you thrive on it. 
how did you guys sort of deal with that pressure and, and the spotlight of that? Yeah, there was a little bit of pressure there. You know, for, for us, we, we, we took it upon ourselves, like, uh, guys, we're here. Uh, we're here. We deserve to be here. Uh, we are the best testers where we're coming from. So if we are the best testers uh, where we come from, we've mastered this one world. We can be the best amongst the best uh, in the world. Of course, you know, you, you kind of feel out of place at, you know, at some moment, especially when we got to the, to the competition and seeing lack of diversity, uh, which it's, it's quite disheartening. And uh, this is not happening only just at a world-class level. This is happening, you know, in, in different sectors, in different countries. The wine world needs to actually diversify. It has been traditionalized for a long time. Still, you, you, you see other key players uh, still trying to traditionalize it and not accepting that, you know, people of color can, can also be involved in the wine business, can also be top sommeliers in the, in the world. So there was that moment when, you know, you feel a little bit out of place, but then, you know, when it's competition time, we said to ourselves, guys, we're here uh, we are here we deserve to be at this table we are some of the best testers in the world then we show them what we what we are capable of. well you you clearly did an incredible job um, because it was a very successful year not just for your team but also for you personally you became the second uh, in the national contents sponsored by Moe and Shandon for best young sommelier and then you were third best taster in in another blind tasting competition and eventually you became a certified sommelier at the Court of Master Psalms in Europe not too long ago. I think 2021, was it? Uh, yeah, 21, yeah. yeah. Well, all of that achievement in the wine world would be you know, significant for anybody. But to have risen as quickly as you did, to be where you are now is pretty incredible given the challenges that you faced. And Zimbabwe is not a place that grows grapes or makes wine. So, you know, South Africa was the right place for you to, to be. But I'm, I'm wondering now, you know, what would you say to a young person in Zimbabwe who, who wants to get involved in the wine world? What advice would you give them? Well, uh, the advice I would give to, to someone um, wanting to get into wine now, it's not an easy road. You know, if it was easy, there wouldn't have been, you know, the Denzel Washington of this of this world. I would not be where I am if it, if it was easy as well, because everyone else could uh, could do it. You know, I, I would say, you know, uh, stay stay determined. Always believe in yourself. Always go for the you know for the impossible, uh, seemingly, and keep your mind it, keep your focus, and uh, stay uh, stay humble. I I like that, it's, and I think it's important to. To remember that, yeah, go for the impossible because that's how things that's how things move from impossible to possible. So I want to talk with you a little bit about what you've been doing since all of that excitement because you haven't sat around doing nothing. I happen to know <laughs> you describe yourself as a winepreneur, which I just love that word. You you went from being sommelier in in top Cape Town restaurants um, and starting up African wines and starting up Solo Bino with the Dialba family from from Italy. You know, now you're in the Netherlands. How, what happened? Again, this is you, you seem to be one of these people who, you know, nothing gets in your way and no challenge is too big. So from Cape Town to The Hague, how did that happen? 
Yeah, that's that was uh, that was exciting, uh, and you know, like my my mother used to tell me, like you know, just treat everyone that you that you meet like it's the last time that you see them. I was in Cape Town of working as a song, right? And then I met these uh, these guests that later became my my business partner. But you know, I was just being professional, uh, you know, delivering the best service that I that I could, you know, to this family that uh, you know that that came to the restaurant, uh, which ended up uh, falling in love with my service. This was the Diablo family, and uh, you know, after that, you know, they they we exchanged contacts, and uh, uh, they proposed me to actually travel to uh, to the Netherlands uh, to see uh, what what business opportunities we can actually build uh, together. And I wanted to actually move into distribution, which I th- I had done my research. I knew that you know South African wines can you know can thrive a little bit more with you know with someone who understands. Who understands the wine uh, in in Europe or in in the US? So I didn't have a plan at that time. Um, I was just basically saving up some money and you know trying to see what I could actually do next. And, you know they, they they asked me a question. So what what do you want to do? And I told them that you know I would want to move into distribution. I would want to be in a different space, import South African wines, uh, especially wines that are coming from people of color, uh, women in wine, uh, and also the small wineries, you know, that do not have, you know, the capex to actually export, uh, export these wines, which, you know, which also hit home uh, for them. Uh, it was a really good concept and um, it didn't uh, take time. I created the portfolio African wines for, for the Netherlands. And uh, yeah, we started exporting wines uh, to the Netherlands, you know, with, you know, very small brands. Women in wine, I imported first in the Netherlands uh, wines from uh, Aslina Wines, uh, from Ansiki Biela, who's one of the first people of color winemakers in South Africa. She's an amazing woman. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, really incredible and uh, incredible story as well. And uh, I also imported as well uh, first uh, the wines uh, of Joseph, which is Mossy Wines, and also Tinashe Kumusha Wines as well in the Netherlands. So that was the jump from Cape Town to to the Netherlands and setting up that, uh, pushing the wines into the market, creating visibility. Uh, two years uh, two years down the line, I decided to to go my own way. Still do uh, import and export uh, as well, but uh, solely for myself, um, for a hundred percent African owned company, uh, which is the first of its kind in uh, in. Uh, uh, in Europe and uh, yeah and I kept on going again worked with uh, you know all top restaurants in um, the Netherlands Michelin star with you know with some of the best chefs in the world did consulting creating wine lists for these restaurants as well doing wine programs wine trainings as well also still selling uh uh, selling wines that's again you know such a huge accomplishment and a big undertaking there's a lot of moving pieces to starting up your own business especially importing and exporting south african wines which were completely uncommon in the netherlands but i, I want to quote something that you wrote which i think is really beautiful uh, you said in a world where our tongues are getting us into deep trouble and our noses are suffocating from minding other people's business I found a better use for the two most important organs, and I'm proud to say I owe the success to them, and I'm grateful that they did not lead me astray. So I love that confidence. I, I think that is awesome. And you have now started your own wine brand, as well as your importing and exporting business, which is super risky. So I just wonder what drove you to make wines, and what wines are you making? You're already importing, exporting, you're already a top som, and now you're going to make the darn wine. 
what was the what was the incentive as a psalm you have to think outside of the box uh, you just don't have to think a flow of service you know when you when you actually get to that level you know that you're no longer excited about you know about service but you're excited about actually the experience you know that that you finally give to the to the clientele and also being you know a, a different judging panels and understanding as well the, the different palettes that are in different markets as well you know the process of creating that you know that fine beverage was always exciting me like i really want to be the the guy behind the label i need to to be able to communicate my story to inspire someone through this beverage i started contemplating and thinking okay you know i need to start business in wine because i'm kind of like hitting the ceiling now you know i've done the floor i've done the service you know i'm uh, you know I'm, i'm doing the blind tastings at a world uh, world champion uh, level and i have this experience of judging wines you know i understand the beverage and you know it, it's now time that i feel the ceiling is coming close to me but let me move a little bit step further and create the experience from what i understand and from what i think you know uh, people would appreciate uh, listening to my stories and drinking a different wine which you know it's quite crazy um, which you know has been made by you know the first black african uh, in europe to actually uh, create uh, such a brand so yeah i, I then started looking at uh, who is best to actually to actually work with i chose austria which is one of my favorite wine regions i just made my maiden vintage Uh, in Weinviertel, which is above uh, Wachau and uh, Krems, so this is to the northern part of uh, of Austria. I made uh, six different wines. Uh, I made a Grüner Veltliner, and I also made a Rote Veltliner, which is also one of my favorite white wine grapes uh, from uh, from uh, from Austria. But uh, basically, the grapes are actually a little bit pinkish, so it's it's quite a very interesting uh, grape which is found in the northern part of austria and i also made as well uh, a riesling which is my favorite grape from uh, from from germany and i made a white blend uh, which i named after my mother which is uh, called uh, cuvee betty blanc so betty was my mother's um, my mother's name and it's a blend of uh, rote veltliner uh, riesling and also grüner veltliner And then I also made uh, rosé as well. The the rosé is made of twigets, twenty percent of uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And then I made um, a twigets, hundred percent twigets as well. You've inspired me. I think I'm lacking in ambition. I've I've been a psalm and a wine educator and a wine judge, and I am loving being a podcaster and a wine writer. But I think maybe I need to uh, sit back and and think about whether I should be making my own wine one of these days. Your labels on your bottle are really unique and they're they're really beautiful. And I'd love to know where the images come from. How I interpret, uh, you know, the wine world. You know, it's it's about culture. It's about the community. You know, it's about people sharing. You know, that fine beverage. Same as that is what trans uh, transcends to my labels as well. The the picture on my label is depicts uh, Great Zimbabwe, which is one of the a very old uh, traditional monument from uh, from Zimbabwe, which was built in the 1800s. This is basically, you know, the these guys they built these walls. Just basically by stacking stones uh, on top of the other without any uh, cement or any mortar, and these walls have stood the test of time. They represented, you know, a community which was under one chieftainship, you know, and it's community. It's a community which, you know, it 
really gives you the sense of belonging, sense of community, sense of working together, uh, you know, sense of sharing as well, uh, which is what I think uh, is the message that I'm trying to give also to the wine world, to people in wine, to the wine community as well, that, you know, wine is about culture, wine is about sharing, it's about sharing ideas, it's about sharing businesses as well, and it's, you know, it's about the culture that that we create, you know, surrounding uh, this this beverage. And, yeah, for me as well, I also wanted with this with this label, for everyone to really feel comfortable when they are holding my my bottle, being curious and wanting to know what is the, the, the story behind such a cool label. It works. It's a beautiful image. You're also on the board of BLACC, which is South Africa's Black Cellar Club. I think this is pretty important work. So I just want to ask you about what you're doing there. What's your role? So Black Cellar Club is actually, um, it's actually a club which was formed in 2016. This is basically a board that represents, you know, the, the minority in wine, or scouts for opportunities in education and, you know, and supports young uh, wine enthusiasts, you know, young uh, uh, black sommeliers in South Africa that really want to to find their way in uh, in the wine world yeah so I'm actually on the executive board uh, there yeah that's uh, that's basically what we uh, what we do we champion uh, education and also uh, representation as well uh, when it comes to the wine world to black wine sommeliers and, uh, and upcoming I think this is one of the most important things that we can do to help our industry heal and grow and be better in the future. I think education is the key. But I just want to ask you, where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years? You've got your import and export business going. Now you've got your wine label going. Are you looking at doing a master of wine? What are you looking at? What are the goals? Yeah, the MS, the MS definitely is uh, is in the is in the pipeline. But uh, for now, I'm I'm focusing on creating a, a recognizable wine brand, which is which is Zimbabwe, and I would like to create a brand you know that people believe in and that is visible in all the markets. I'm talking about the US, China, in England, you know, every everywhere. Um, I also would like to keep on pushing, especially education as well, uh, especially to young uh, black people that are actually upcoming in the wine industry. And also, you know, just to make sure that they are comfortable as well in uh, in the international scene as well. That's that's great. I, I wish you all the very best for the future and for all your endeavors. I hope I'll be able to try your wine in the very near future. And thank you hugely for giving us your time today and telling us this incredible story of everything you've been up to in your very short time in the world of wine um, and your great success. And I'm just delighted for you. And I hope that your future carries on as bright as, as these years have been for you. Thank you very much, Cynthia. And thank you very much for having me. And uh, thank you very much uh, for listening uh, to all your listeners as well. Huge, huge, huge pleasure. I hope everyone goes out and watches Blind Ambition right away. So take care of yourself. Good luck with your wines. And thank you for coming. We hope you enjoyed today's episode brought to you by the Wine to Wine Business Forum 2022. This year will mark the ninth edition of the forum to be held on November 7th and 8th, 2022 in Verona, Italy. Remember, tickets are on sale now. So for more information, please visit us at winetowine.net.
Hi guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.